welcome to episode 16 of Two Guys, One Dice Cup, entitled Taps Aff. My name is Al Goldeneye Unicorn, and I am thankfully joined once again by... Phil <laughs> from Ashes Cairns. Yay! Taps Aff! So, the title of the episode is called Taps Aff, and Ricky Coaches and other listeners, uh, myself and Phil, have decided to put our feet up. Uh, and take a little summer holiday, summer break. Uh, the weather's been really nice in Scotland, and uh, our leaders have wisely or unwisely lifted a lot of the uh, COVID restrictions um, on travel and visitation and the, and the like. So all that combined, we decided to uh, uh, do a light and, light and breezy episode this month. Yeah, yeah, it'll be, uh, it'll be a, a nice chilled out one. Um based around uh, whatever the fuck we could be asked talking about this time. Pretty much, yeah. We're gonna talk we're gonna talk hobby. Um, you know, for the for the Blood Bowl content, we've gonna look at some areas of the Death Zone supplement that came out. Did it come out last year or earlier this year? I can never remember. What year is I, it? I mean it's uh, it is twenty twenty one apparently. Uh, yes. as, as time has just kind of become immaterial right now. Mm. And I, I it was earlier this year. Um, but if you do, if you were to ask me when, I, I would have no idea. No idea. But so later in the episode, we are going to talk through a couple of different sections with um with a focus on the the fun aspect of what the brook brought out and uh, the weather table being one of them or the weather tables. Um, yeah. So that should be should be good. But one thing we do need to talk about is games. We do talk about games first, don't we? Yeah. Um, so we've got, uh, we could talk about either. We normally go. Uh, uh, oh fuck! I, I'm so slack at this time round. I don't even remember what we call our segments. We've got what's <laughs> on the table. Okay. <laughs> on on the gaming front. Uh, on the games uh, front. Yeah, that's of the one. Course. Fucking of hell! Do you want to start with on the games front? Uh, yeah, I'm just trying to work out. Remember what I've actually done. I've played in. I've played in oh. some stuff. Yeah, I'll, 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 I've got it in front of me now, so uh, I'll have a I'll have a quick go through. Um, I've only really played like online um, a couple of things on Blood Bowl. So we we uh, we uh, wound out down the League of Extraordinary Linemen uh, most recent season at the end of the last episode, didn't we? Yeah, we'd spoken about. That. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, that we finished season uh, four of that and. Uh, Season five is still to be determined as to when that'll kick off. But um, I'm actually quite uh, happy at the moment having a break from the line. Yeah, I mean, that's that's been the same for me as well. Um, I hosted uh, Granite Bowl online uh, for the first time um, this year um, because we weren't having it in in person. Um, but I didn't play in that because we had an even number of players. Um, you you did though. But we'll yeah. get around to that when we're talking about your uh, your section. Um, oh, yeah. So the only the only games I've played really, uh, we kicked off the first uh, event of the Aberdeen Blood Bowl Community League um, with my Nurgle team playing Brian, Brian, Brian. Yes, Brian. Uh, uh, his uh, Dark Elf team. Um, I was down on. TV for that, so like I did have an inducement 
and it ran out as uh, but it still ran out as being a one nil victory for Brian. Um, I think it was it was a close game. You know, I I hadn't played for a while, so it was a bit uh, bit on the rusty side. Made a couple of mistakes early on, which didn't really help on my drive, and then he um, he he got his way in on his own drive. Uh, but yeah, it was a it was a good game. Um, it was a nice a nice game for chatting and stuff like that, and a good a good sort of tussle with somebody who knows uh, who's who's suddenly sort of over the last year just come on leaps and bounds as a player. You know, like uh, mm-hmm. Brian's, uh, I mean, he's a lot more confident in his play and everything. And I think he's a uh, he's it shows he's a, he's he's actually kind of a very difficult game now. I know. Uh, well, he does a lot more analysis of yeah. what he's done and what his opponent's done after the game is uh, mm-hmm. is being completed. And I think having, you know, I'm sure Brian listens to this, and I'm, and I'm sure it's true of quite a few players that we know. But because so many games have been played on fumble, they've got the ability to look back and watch them, so they can yeah. rewatch, they can rewatch their own games, and uh, you know focus on key points instead of trying to do it from memory or in the moment. So it's it's really good for that if you're if you're so inclined. Yeah, definitely. And and I think um like he's he's always open to talking about stuff like you said uh, afterwards as well. So um I mean he's he's good to sound things off and um and he does uh he does ask ask for kind of info and um we've got a, a group chat um and we're always talking about games that have happened and stuff like that. And yeah, he's he's very active in that. So it was a good game and uh, well won by him. So um that was fun. Uh what else have I done? So I'm taking part in Glasgow, which is the online or a online Glaswegian um Blood Bowl tournament run by uh Lewis Mullen. Uh, who is I think it's Lewis M on the NAF. Uh, so he he was based out of London, but he's uh, moved back up to Glasgow fairly recently. And uh, Glasgow's been a bit of a weird one. It was a twelve hundred TV build. Um, I know you obviously, you have... obviously sorry you for the listeners, still using the two thousand sixteen rule set. Yeah, although I believe 2020 uh, rule set on Fumble is now in testing, uh, which is great news. Um, but yeah, so TV 1200, um, so that's opened up a lot more star players and stuff. Um, so there's been some interesting builds in that. Uh, we're still in in sort of midway in the tournament. I think uh, well, we've got one game left. Um, I have I took Skaven with Hackflem. Um, and I've had two two frustrating games in some ways, and but also two fun games as well. Uh, my first game I played uh, a gentleman called uh, Heth. I don't know what his uh, his first name is uh, in real name, uh, but I'm familiar with his work. I've seen him uh, mentioned uh, places and. I'm sure he knows a couple of the same folk that I do as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we had a game. He was running orcs with uh, very much a fouling build, uh, no black orcs, uh, all uh, sort of blitzers. Uh, wow. But he, he, but he had uh, he had a troll ripper, 
four blitzers, throw our three linemen and four goblins. So like a a fourteen player elite uh, team. Um, interesting way to go. Yeah, and it was difficult to play against because he had uh, he had four mighty blow players in total with uh, two blitzers with mighty blow and uh, the the troll and, and ripper. And then he had a guard on the other, or one blitzer and tackle on another, and then leader on a thrower and dirty player on a lineman. So I mean, fuck me. I, when I went in, when I saw who I was playing against, I was like, this, this guy has played a decent amount of games. He knows what he's doing, and he's also got a team that looks like it will smash mine to bits. Yeah. Because um, uh, like Skaven, obviously, are uh, very easy to remove yeah. generally. Um. The game, so I, I I elected to receive because I wanted to get a touchdown on the uh, on the board, <laughs> and then oh fucking hell! Uh, like I I went I went down one side. I, had to, I left a couple of players up top. Um, I went so, but I put uh, uh, set everybody up down sort of more heavily leaning towards one side, and of course, did the ball not land? on the opposite side, away from all my players, plus he got a blitz as well. So um, he had the ball uh, before I'd even taken my first turn. Um, I did stop him from scoring and almost scored myself um, in the drive, which was probably the most frustrating thing because I had, uh, um, I I got the ball out um and uh, I got it all the way up the uh towards a player and then I had the opportunity to to pass it um and it was a fuck it was a two uh was a two up two up pass no it was a th- it was a two up to go uh, to go for it to make it a two up pass and uh, I had a reroll and I think I failed the uh the pass after having to use the reroll on the go, on the go for it. Classic. Uh, but if I if I'd made the pass, I was away. Like he, because uh, it was a it was onto a gutter runner, and he had everybody in my half. So I would have scored uh, on the last turn. Uh, but in the end, he managed to get it to. Um, I think he got it to one of his players, and uh, then failed the uh, uh, the throw. Uh, yeah, no, 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 no. He 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 caught it. He got that one. So I'm, I'm remembering that wrong. Uh, he he got that one. Uh, it, it, the second half, the second half was even even funnier uh, because, um, like, I'd set up quite uh, uh, sort of aggressively because I thought I'm going to have to try and score here, um, and uh, <laughs> and. And he just, uh, I, I did end up scoring. It was, uh, I got a blitz and then just totally overran his uh, part of the pitch uh, and just uh, like went, went for it. You know, like totally went for it and got it and scored. Um, and then he went for the second half um, and I don't think he. Oh no, he did score. Uh, he did score. No, I'm, I'm, I'm talking absolute bullshit. Uh, <laughs> this is the summer weather here. No, neither of us scored in the first half. He failed this catch. I'd got that part right the first time round. 
I scored in uh, in my turn one of his half of his drive after getting a blitz. So that much was true. He then had um, like seven turns to score and scored in the last in his last turn turn eight. Now we're having hack phlegm, um like a one turner is pretty straightforward as long as you've got enough players um, for um, for Skaven because you don't even in a tackle zone with him having extra arms um, he's catching or receiving a handoff on a two up uh, mm-hmm. and if and he's dodging through tackle zones on two ups uh, if it's as long as it's just one tackle zone with dodge because he's got two heads as well so I'd set it up got it ready um, the kick went quite deep so I was like oh, fuck's sake um, had to pick it up and then make it um, for the for a pass there uh, and I got I had to use the re-roll on the uh, um, the pickup the 2 plus pickup and then failed the pass uh, so didn't even make the uh, the, the one turn touchdown attempt uh, which was a shame you know uh, I I wasn't uh, keen on. I, I, I've I've not done that many one-turn touchdowns. I know how to do them for some teams, yeah. uh, but I've, I very rarely get the opportunity to do them, um, and I didn't make it in that one, which was a shame. And the next game uh, was against uh, who was that? It was against uh, Tom uh, from our league. Uh, in Aberdeen, uh, he's one of our, our kind of he's our, one of our remote players. He joined the Fumble League uh, in Aberdeen. He, he's based out of Elgin, which is a wee way out of Aberdeen, and that was a, an end to end. He was running um, undead uh, with the fouling star player Rotten Rick Buckkiss or whatever his name is. Um, so he had 13 players I've got 13 players it was it was end to end stuff um, I got the, uh, uh, the the chance to receive a gain scored in, in my turn too so I wanted to, to make sure I I had a touchdown on the, on the board there uh, he scored in his turn 8 uh, which was a bit shit um, Is that right? Or did I? No, no, I, I fucked him again. I, I got. Fuck! I was talking bullshit again. So hot, so hot today. It's just heat. Um, I scored. I scored in in my my turn two on his drive after getting uh him failing a pickup. The ball went pretty deep. I I took kick as one of the skills on a gutter runner, and it's worked really well. Recommend it. Yep. Um. I kicked quite deep and it ended up in his end zone and he um and he failed he double sculled with the uh uh with the mummy with a mummy on the line and thought oh I'll get I'll get through here and then didn't uh, I kind of uh, uh nipped in after he failed a pass when he picked it up and picked it up and scored and then he managed to score in his turn uh, eight, and then I had a chance for a a one turn again, and uh, didn't make it. 
uh, another similar story, uh, except I burned the reroll on the the block. The first, well, the first blitz, mm-hmm. um, I had to hit the guy um, to uh, to push him in, and all I needed was a push uh, out of a two dice block, uh, and uh, I rolled a defender stumbles and a skull, or a both down maybe. Uh, one of one of the two of those, and I rolled exactly the same thing on the reroll, so that that killed the one okay. turner. So there was no no way of kind of re- reworking it, so it, uh, it actually worked. Um, so that kind of left us one one going into the second half. On my drive, I scored. I held on for absolutely as long as I could. I probably should have held on for one more turn. And I probably could have. He would have ended up basing the ball carrier, and I would have had to have, um, I'd have had to have done the, uh, the the two plus two plus to get uh, to get the touchdown, or the two plus dodge rather uh, with a reroll uh, for dodge uh, to get the touchdown. But I chickened out of doing that and scored uh, the turn before, uh, just because I thought, well, you know, someone if I if this screws up here you know he he's probably going to get away with it and I'm going to lose 2-1 so scored and he had four turns and I stopped him and stopped him and stopped him and eventually I got to the it got to the point where I was like well I can only stop him from I can only make him roll dice and it came down to him rolling a, a four plus for the dodge re-roll after I'd parked uh, Hackflem, who also has prehensile tail, which is quite useful, yeah, um, on the ball carrier. Um, so it was a case that you had to blitz somebody out of the way, and then I all uh, to to give a channel to run through, and then I had uh, and then he had to make the four plus dodge. He had forgotten that uh, Hackflem had prehensile tail, so um, he was uh, he wasn't aware or he he'd forgotten that that was the case um when he made the role but yeah it was a, it was a, a good game and he's a nice guy and 2-2 was uh, infuriating cuz on another day I might have won that 2-1 but um or 3-2 if I'd got the one turn touchdown attempt but uh, yeah it was still a good a good game good learning experience good um but that that's all of my games I've not really played any more than that how about yourself what have you um, dipped into well, the bulk of my Blood Bowl was playing in Granable. So I'm quite sure last episode I um, said to the rookie coaches and to the listeners that I was taking Orcs and that I had looked back through the little pile of rosters that we had, or that I had been making, because uh, Orcs were an option for one of the conversational topics, uh, one of the rookie coaches sections really early on in our podcasting career. Yes, and uh, I decided, you know what, I'm gonna, I'm just gonna take this roster uh, to the event and see what happens. And it was a uh, orc roster, the four black orcs, the troll, goblin, thrower. Uh, how many blitzers do you get? You get four blitzers. Four, don't you? four yeah. Four blitzers, one lineman, three rerolls, and I had a mighty blow. And tackle on blitzers, and then it was uh, two guard and two block on the black orcs. 
That's right, isn't it? That's right. That's right, yeah, yeah. That's exactly right. So I can never remember my games in detail like you can, Phil, and I apologise to the listeners um, for that. But the first game I played was against Chris Rafferty, uh, and I believe he had some sort of flavour of Undead. Uh, Chris, Rafferty, Chris Rafferty uh, had... Where has he disappeared to in here? Um, I remember there was. Yeah, I'm pretty sure flesh, he was. Uh, and flesh golems and shit like that. Uh, no, he he was shambling undead, so he had mummies. Shambling undead, right? So, oh yeah, yeah. that's it, mummies and stuff. So, uh, look, the final result was two one to Chris, and it was a good game, and I very much enjoyed it. But I had some frustrations in that. I don't believe from memory I got that many removals, nothing permanent. Um, but Chris, over the sort of first half of the game, managed to uh, drop out two of the black orcs, which was a bit frustrating. I am also quite sure I made some errors in my first setup. Uh, I got the icons for my blitzer and my black orc mixed up, so I ended up putting a blitzer on the line of scrimmage. And a black orc sitting a little bit back, which was not mission critical, but it did make me have to do a little bit more work, um, which was frustrating. But uh, I can't remember at which point it was one one though, and the weather changed, and we got a blizzard, which was really bad for me um at that point because i was i was going to have to be trying to one turn touchdown and there's going to have to be a lot of going for it uh, which obviously isn't going to work that well in a blizzard and uh chris managed to hold me off and score um for 2-1 but enjoyable game uh, i wasn't disheartened at that point second game was against uh amroth uh, Local player to Aberdeen, Brian, who you've already mentioned in the in the podcast, uh, and he had he had Amazons with wasn't Roxana, was it? Uh, it was Carla, Carla von Kill. That's it. Yeah. Now, for the life of me, I cannot remember the result. I know that I won, but I cannot remember the scoreline. One nil. Was it one nil to myself? Yeah. Um, I. I remember at the very end it could have been 2-0 to me but I remember at the very end my dice absolutely absolutely abandoned me and it looked like uh, Brian was going to get the draw and then Brian's dice absolutely abandoned him so I think for the last four turns it was just an absolute horror story of um, of bad dice. Yeah, I'm looking at the the dice here, and it was ridiculous. You got uh, you had uh, four turnover, uh, four actual turnover results in the yep. last six turns, and he had five. Yep. Just, um, I remember it was just all going pear shaped for both of us, and the ball was just fumbling by. Eventually, got it away, um, very very far away. And one of my turnovers was a go for it to get within scoring range, and I stumbled and fell. So it could have been, could have been two nil, but one nil, and I was happy at the end because, um, you know, bad luck struck the entire game. 
uh, which is pretty. Was it sad? You know, listeners will remember I went on a really quite a bad run of bad luck, so I wasn't I wasn't too disheartened to see everybody receive the bad luck on that on that game. So that was a uh, nice to get a win. And then my third and final game was against JC. Yeah, Jamie, another local player to Aberdeen, and he had a team that consisted of players. What was he? He was, he was running Chaos Chosen. Chaos Chosen. That's it, of course, for the Chaos Warriors. Right, got you. Um, look, all credit to Jamie. He took it on the chin, but I absolutely pumped the life out of him. My dice were absolutely on fire. Everything was just amazing. And what was the score? Was it 4 0? No. No, it was 2 1. Was it 2 1? 4 0. 2 1. Was it not 2? Was it not 4 0? <laughs> no, it was 2 1. Um, that's a shame. Uh, I'm sure it was, I'm sure it was 4 Maybe it felt like uh, maybe it felt like four 0 but yeah. no, he, he uh, you you scored you scored two and then he he got a last third one. Yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, issue with that though with that game, um, I I made lots of mistakes in the last six turns, uh, lots of positional mistakes, lots of lots of sequencing mistakes, which made everything harder for myself. And I I don't rightly remember why, you know, if I was tired or if I'd been drinking a lot that day or um but I remember there was just some moments where I'd moved a player, you know, to, to plug a gap and then realised that I needed that player, he was the actual player I was gonna be doing a blitz with. Yeah. Um there was just so many stupid errors like that. Um which probably when I think back I must have won a game recently that was 4-0. Anyway, in my head. Um, but I was trying to cause cause casualties, trying to get bonus points for the event. Um, but it was still, look, I enjoyed the game probably because I enjoyed not failing stuff, but um, frustrated myself just with with basic basic mistakes, basic errors with the positioning. And for the most part, it was sequencing, you know, Moving the players in the right order to get the the final outcome. So um, it was still a win, and it left me on two wins and a loss for the event. And I think I finished. Was it seventh? Seventh out of seventh. Yeah, seventh. Seventh. It was really good. Yeah. Yep. So I was happy just, to see that. Just outside the points. Just outside the points. Yep. Well, then for for the listeners, that's the Scottish Championship points. Um, yeah. And if you want to. Find out more about the Scottish Championship. Uh, look back and listen in our library when we speak to the Scottish captain. Yeah, captain episode, episode seven, I think. Yeah, yeah. You can go back and listen to that, and we talk about how the the Scottish teams selected, how the Scottish Championship runs. So, um, go and get a beer, sit in the sun, listen to episode seven. Fuck off. Yeah, it was um, uh, going well, to that. The last, the last game you won by four uh, touchdowns was when you beat me four one. So maybe, maybe you're still enjoying the the, the highlight of that, dream. living the dream. Thanks. Yeah, thanks for going back to, to relive that with me, mate. That was appreciated. <laughs> um, but one another thing that did happen though, gaming wise, I played a real game 
on a board with people, but it was bolt action. Whereabouts did you end up doing that? I played that at the gaming store in Stirling called Common Ground Games. And it was a highly enjoyable experience. My opponent was um, one of the oh, current teams, or bolt action team Scotland players, a guy called Rab Jack. And uh, it was his first game of bolt action, you know, in the same length of time, whatever it was, 14 or 16 months. And, you know, I... However, we got in touch with each other. I can't remember now. Usually, we've got some sort of group chat going. But I had a Saturday come up that was free, and um, we decided to like, play a, a friendly game. Nothing, nothing competitive. Nothing crazy. Uh, you know, because we play, we played a lot of ball actions, so we are very competitive players. And uh, so we had a gentleman's agreement, so that we just take friendly lists. And uh, and we both did. I took a whole bunch of units that you know I won't I won't bore the freaky coaches and the other Blood Bowl players, you know, as I try not to, but you know, it was a whole bunch of un- uncompetitive units that you you wouldn't see at a proper tournament. And uh, we we both had fun. I went to Germany and uh, my opponent took a British Commonwealth force. And uh, no, it was good, it was really good to, to play an actual game. Interact with a human, but afterwards my head was absolutely splitting, mate. I headache. I bet it's it's weird because like I, you get used to playing like properly with people, obviously, and and it becomes kind of second nature. And then on the on a computer, pretty much everything's done for you, apart from uh, kind of like like the moving uh, uh, things. You know, so yeah, I can imagine you were absolutely exhausted. Yeah, you know, and I'd had I'd had a good breakfast before going. You know, we were playing at like one in the afternoon and had a snack. I drank a liter of water when I was there. You know, kept hydrated, but uh, just the you know the levels. Not so much that I wasn't. You know, I was focused on the game, but just the you know trying to crunch the maths. Of things, you know, odds, not odds, but, you know, is it worth my time for this unit to shoot at that unit? What's the, you know, measuring ranges, a lot more variables on a six foot table. Um, and it just made me wonder, it's like, how the hell am I supposed to do three of these games in a day at an event? Yeah. At a competitive level. And I have signed myself up to go to a one day tournament in the. Uh, in uh in Bathgate. They've got a new gaming facility open there. I think it's called Nightly Games. That's right, yeah. So they've got a new facility, new shop, new gaming hall and stuff open there. So uh, that's in the second week of August. It's the one day event. And it's it's been targeted at new players, but you know, genuinely everybody's gonna turn up at this thing because it'll be the first the first event, you know, for a year and a half. So uh, folk are just going to be dying to get out and, and roll dice and uh, you know, I'm genuinely worried about how I'm going to cope with three games um, in one day and then what's really going to fuck it is uh, at the end of August uh, I'm captain in Scotland and we're going down to play in an event called the Nations Cup it's in Southend in England 
and that's five games over two days, and that will be highly competitive. It's like, fuck. Yeah, I, I, I bet you're glad you've got the other one first, because, uh, yeah, that'll be tough. Yep, well, I've I've told, I think all of the Scottish team are going to be in attendance, and I've told them they can take, they can actually take any list that they want. You know, a lot of, a lot of people would expect us to test our tournament lists uh, that would be taken down south, and the the cutoff dates for army submission work work so that we can we could test and change our lists. But I've just said to them, if like, look, whatever you feel you need to play, take that. Um, you know, it's it's more fun. It's what's more important is you get gaming gaming experience and gaming time as opposed to learning your army. It's, you know, you also might need to remember or try and re or reinvigorate, sort of fall in love with the game again, almost. Um, yeah, which, uh, which I, I was. Uh, yeah. Okay. No, on you go. No, you go. Let's be polite. You go. I get. I guess. Um, I, I kind of feel the same. I, it's one of the things I'm. I'm kind of dreading about playing real life again. Is is that kind of because I, mean, I always find a tournament quite exhausted anyway. Um, usually because I'm driving to the bloody thing, um, both there and back. But uh, but also playing really takes a lot out of you. And uh, having not been in that situation for like I probably won't get to anything this year. Very, un- it's very unlikely I'll get to anything this year. Um, so we're talking sort of two years, pretty much. So it's going to be a weird, a weird experience just in general, kind of getting back into it. I think mm-hmm. that and that and the kind of mass, massive people, at a, a thing like that. Because I mean, I've I've barely, aside from kind of going out on little kind of walks uh, and stuff, and being with the kids and uh, seeing grandparents, uh, I have kids' grandparents, my uh, in-laws, and my parents. I've barely been in close proximity to more than a handful of people at any one time in the past two years. So it's just going to be an assault on the senses, I think. It's going to be a difficult one. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to hear what, how you get how you get on with it. No, I'm looking forward to it. You know, it's, it's something that I know I've enjoyed in the past, so and I should enjoy again. So, you know, time will tell. But that's that's me for gaming, and I think that's that's pretty good from both of us. So. Yeah, nice, nice, relaxed sort of uh, gaming from the pair of us. I think. Um, yeah. Anyway, on the hobby front, uh, what have you got going on at the moment? On is the this table, the, is this when we talk about stuff that we've bought, isn't it? Yeah. So we talk about we do a wee bit about what we've bought, uh, and uh, I think we committed last time to uh, a number. Both of us have forgotten how much. I'm sure how yep. <laughs> we're, supposed, we're supposed to be spending. I haven't checked. Uh, but okay. yeah, there was that. Um, but also what we're painting and stuff like that as okay, well. Well, look, have a guess at how much money I spent this month. Yeah, I reckon you've been quite good. Um, 70 quid. Wrong. Lower, and I'll only give Lower. you one guess. Lower, I'll only give you one guess because the listeners will get really bored. Fifty-four pounds. Wrong. Is, is it lower. less than that as well? It's less than that. 
this is amazing, guys. I'm going to just tell Phil and put him out of his misery. And I cannot believe it either. I spent a fiver. Fuck off. I really did. I got Seriously. it. I spent five pounds since the last podcast, episode 15, until yeah. now, episode 16. I spent a fiver. And you want to know what I bought? Um, yeah, go for it. I bought two uh, remover sponges for washes and pigments from the <laughs> Ammo by Mick Jimenez range. Aye. I, I am teardrop sponges. Oh, I can't, dear. Believe, can't believe it. That's, I, that's a good effort. Yeah. It's fucking mind-blowing. I, I spent a fiver. I was... Yep. I, but I tell you what, during the month, the amount of stuff that arrived on my door um, exceeded six hundred pounds. Uh, is that because because your your printer turned up? Three D printer turned up, and uh, you know it's the Elgoo Saturn, you know four K printer. Uh, it's big and sexy, but it's still in the box. Sadly, um, I just haven't had the chance to create a space in my hobby room for it yet. Uh, but I will get there. I mentioned the Meg Jimenez um, products, and listeners will remember that I had planned on painting a Soviet tank for one of their competitions. I'm almost finished that vehicle, and uh, it's it's mind blowing actually what I'm doing. The you know it's all a lot of techniques and a lot of products I've never used before. You know, there's little fucking these called oil brusher pen type things. Um, you know, using what's the best way to describe it? There's an undercoat. You put, a, put an undercoat on, but it's not black, it's not white, it's not grey, it's like a burnt umber. And then you put the um, sort of flat green base colour on it. Um, mm-hmm. There's no, you know, when you're sort of using the airbrush, you would sort of do some pre pre-highlighting and the like before you put your base layer on and then it would already be there. It's like, no, no, you don't, you don't do that. Then you get these oil brushers and you put a couple of sort of lines where you want the, the highlighting to go and then you get in with the, uh, what's it called? Uh, enamel thinner, odorless enamel thinner and you're actually feathering the colour from the oils out across the acrylic um, and then that's where the the sponges come in, you know, the sponge helps to soften and assist with the blend. Uh, then there's some sort of oil work. Uh, what do they call it? Not, not that, not that. Looking at the book, crazy book. Yeah, it's just applying like a, a dark brown wash. So it's almost mm-hmm. like a black lining type thing. I panel lining. Yeah, very similar, very similar to it. Um, but then there's the streaking, you know, so you get this sort of grime streak again. It's it's a enamel style paint. You're just painting really dark lines, you know, straight down the, the side of the tank and then getting the thinner and drawing it down the tank again. And it just, you know, washes out and blends it into so it looks like, you know, grime and streak coming down. It's all science it's when i say science what did i mean by that it's 
they're technical skills that anybody can learn. There's no, it's going to sound so odd, but you know when you see artists and they've got artistic talent and you think, yeah, that's, you know, for sure that takes practice, um, but there's a, there's a raw amount of um, natural ability involved. With this, it's very much learn it, repeat, learn, repeat, and then it'll look just as good as a professional can do. And like I've, I've not got it as as good as some. You know, the I've seen the entries to some of the, the other competition entries, and they're just mind blowing. You know, these guys are are highly skilled. Mm-hmm. But there's some areas of my tank that I'm looking at it and thinking, yeah, it's 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 just as good as what I'm looking at at these guys. Um, you know, they've perfected the skill. Hopefully, I'll perfect the skill. And I don't, I don't feel like my, my um, any sort of talent's been used. I hope I'm not coming out sounding like an asshole. But no, no, not at all. I know, I know where you're, you're coming from, though, because some, um, some skills that you ha- that you can sort of learn have very uh, sort of sort of low. Um, what's the terminology I'm looking for there? Uh, it's not like entry to it it's uh, like mm-hmm. a kind of uh, learning curve they've got a low mm-hmm. learning curve you know you can get a result out of them that you're happy with um, yeah. and that looks and that looks good you know like, um, like it's stuff it's stuff like um, shading you know like chucking an Agrax wash over something gives you a good result um, yeah. doesn't necessarily give you a, te- a highly technical result but it gives you a good result you know um, and I think some of the the things you're talking about there are, are kind of the same, the same sort of thing, uh, in that you can get technically good at doing them so that they look yep. even better. But the, it's easier to get better results early on, yes, for that type of thing than yep. it is say wet blending or something like that. Yeah, you know. So I'm very much following. You know, I, I described the product a couple of episodes ago. You know how it comes in my box. There's all everything that you need, um, and if there's an instruction book, I am literally following the step by step, and it's that well written and presented. It's like, yep, done it. Next page, okay, cool, done it. Yep, it worked. Next page, and you know, on the side of obviously the tank's my main goal, but on the side I've got a little. Another little um, armored car that's going to be part of my Soviet army, and I'm I'm doing the 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 painting on that first just to see oh yeah it works, and then I actually put it on the the competition entry, um, and the little tank thing looks great. It's a little um, universal carrier for for the nerds that know, and you know the the one good thing I, that's going to come from it is that. I've got lots of other vehicles that I need to paint for this Soviet army. And originally, when I went to do another army for Russia, I was just going to do the tanks and vehicles exactly the same as I did for my first time because they looked really good. Mm. Um, whereas now, the, the whole army will look distinctly different from anything I've done before. So I'm really happy. It's, it's, I can see myself buying a lot more products by uh, ammo. By Meg Kimenez. Um they they work they work really well and they're really well explained. And I think by the end of August I'll have done more on a, another 
another bolt action army. I've still got a bunch of vehicles that I need to weather up, and I'm I'm going to use the skills and techniques I've learned here. So, so yeah, that's that's what I've been doing hobby wise, and that's what I've been spending very little money on, which is uh, which is pretty cool. And I've oh look, I've sold a bunch of other stuff. You know, I had to buy the bullet again, and you know, looking through old boxes and finding old projects that you just know you're not going to ever get to, no matter how yeah. much you paint. And uh, this time it was a Grey Knight army. You know, it was all brand new in box. Three Dread Knights, about 40 Paladins, or whatever the fuck they were called, a bunch of Terminators. Uh, so I just, I just let it go. I think I sold it at like 30% retail or whatever it was, just to you know, get out my, get out my world. I uh, so you actually ended up in the hobby black then. Yes. In terms of money, that's even more ridiculous. Yep. I'm in the black. <laughs> I've I've made profit this month. <laughs> that is that is ridiculous. And yep. well done. Yep. So, but you though, so you're saying that you spent a lot of money. So well, I no no. Let me let me just 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 calm down. You go. <laughs> Two hundred and twelve pounds. Oh no, it's less than that. One hundred and seventy-five. A, a little bit less than that. One hundred and seventy. No, 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 no. It's. Uh, I'll put you at your misery as well. Um, one hundred and fifty-nine, I think. But uh, rounded up a little bit, it was uh, a little bit less than one hundred and fifty-nine. But right, so you've, uh, you've, yeah. you've shit it. What have you done? What yeah. Have you <sighs> Like everything just seems to come at the same time. I say this every fucking month, don't I? It says the worst excuse ever. Um, so yeah, so I um, the first thing I bought, which which I was technically I was I was considering not including in this because I'd actually spoken to the person about it before we uh, did the hobby thing, and he said he would pick one up for me, um, but he didn't get back to me until after the podcast uh, had been recorded. So mm-hmm. um, I spoke to Jay Bowen from uh, Double Skulls, oh, God, it must have been a, uh, about a month or so ago, and said, oh, next time you're in uh, Warhammer World, if they've still got some, can you pick me up uh, one of the Realm of Chaos books uh, for The Lost and the Damned? Because um, uh, there's no way I'm paying eBay gouging prices on the reprint and I am not paying over a hundred pounds for a book at the moment um of the original print from the from nineteen ninety or whenever it was it came out. Yeah. Um and he was like, yeah sure I'll, I'll I'll let you know when it's uh when it's there. So he he picked me one of them up and that was like thirty five quid or or what have you and posted it up to Aberdeen for me which was much appreciated. Um and then um Age of Sigmar three uh, third edition launched um, so I got the rule book and the general ha- general's handbook for that um, that was just under just under 50 quid I think inclusive and then mm-hmm. the rest was on so like opportunistic eBay and um, Facebook groups purchases Yep. But I think I've mentioned before I quite like um like the Inquisitor twenty eight uh sort of 
Blanchett's who Grimdark sort of stuff. So I've been keeping an eye out for a copy of the um, Inquisitor game rulebook. Um, Inquisitor being a a 54 millimeter scale um, skirmish game that GW brought out ten plus years ago, or whatever it was. Um, but I mean, I very rarely see that go on. It goes on eBay every now and again, usually sort of somewhere between thirty and fifty quid. Um, and there was a guy selling it on a Facebook group for fifteen, and it looked a decent nick. So. Mm-hmm. Messaged him really quickly and said, "Yeah, I'll take that. How much for postage?" And and the rest is history. That arrived. And the other one was um, I've been keeping an eye out for. There was one lizard man hero for for Warhammer Fantasy Battle um, that I hadn't managed to get, um, and it was uh, Tic Tac Toe. Shit names. Uh, he's uh, like a pterodon rider. Um, and he's one of these that they, I don't think they made much of because there's not that many. You never, you very rarely see it uh, in fine cast, which is what I ended up by, uh, buying it in. Ugh, um, well, well, you say that. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll get onto that. Um, or metal, um, and you, you very rarely see it in either, and it very rarely shifts. It's usually sort of somewhere about the sixty quid mark. Or thereabouts, and I mean, I I said to myself, next time I see one, if I can get it for around about sixty, I'm happy with that. You know, either in fight cast or battle. And one popped up with a very short kind of uh, lead time on on um, eBay. I thought, you know, I'll just keep an eye on this towards the end. And it got got to a point, um, and I just rammed in uh, like sixty quid as being my top bid right towards the end. And I think. Until the last couple of minutes, I was I I even had it. It was down as low as like forty odd uh, at that point. But then somebody obviously kind of was hammering the buttons in uh, at the end to try and beat me. But I ended up getting it for fifty six uh, in fine cast. And like I don't, you were kind of disgusted at the fine cast. Oh, uh, yeah, they're uh, awful. They're so hit or miss. The detail on them is usually great. Um, like they're either fine cast models are either slightly bent because um, they because the way that they're gated on their sprues, or they have horrendous flash, or they they've snapped somewhere. Uh, so it's very you're, they're very hit or miss. If you can get one of them that doesn't have any of those things, it's like a perfect model in fine cast. Yep. I now have one of those. For You're lucky, so I, I, I'm more than happy with <laughs> that one. Good. Um, yeah, I mean, I've had I've had finecast stuff that hasn't been particularly good, but to be fair, the majority of the finecast stuff I've got, uh, the worst I've had has been some really poorly um, sort of situated flash, which has lost a bit of detailing, and some stuff that I've needed to bend back with some hot water. So that's about it. And the only other thing I bought was a part for one of the things that I, I've managed to do hobby-wise, which is uh, working on converting more of my Swampcast Blight Kings. Um, so I've mentioned them. I think I've mentioned them on the podcast before, haven't I? I, I mocked one up. I finished painting my um, 
test model, uh, which came out pretty nice, I think. Um, it was um, shown on uh, the Warhammer TV hobby roundup thing, which was nice again. Um, all I've got to do on that, really, and I was waiting until I'd finished the rest of them, is do the oil washes um, to grim them up a little bit. Um, uh, but I hadn't, the last podcast, I hadn't started making the other ones. I've now finished uh, converting all all of the remaining four. And the part, the last part uh, that I needed was the one I got um, for four quid, uh, which was a, a big bell called the Sonorous Toxin uh, that uh, the um, Blight Kings have. Um, so the conversions have come out well in them. I, I, I'm really happy with how they look. Um, so I'm looking forward to kind of getting them painted up. Uh, but my hobbying has been limited to that because I've had zero painting uh, mojo at all. Yeah, have not been feeling it in the slightest. I've uh, I've got a few things that I should be getting on with, um, but I just can't. I just haven't had the um, the sort of motivation to pick up the paintbrush at all, uh, which has been a bit frustrating. Um, it's it's not an easy thing to just be able to sit down and you know produce good works from the brush when you're not when you're not feeling it. Sometimes, yeah, you know, we've all we've, sure. we've we've all got things on, and that's why we're we're having a summer holiday episode. That's yeah. If the way it is, I I think uh, I've I've had sort of times like this before. They're usually followed by a burst of creativity after that. You know, it's yep. uh, so you just got to kind of roll with the punches, um, and it'll come back um, as I'm sure it will. My plans for the next month or so are really kind of getting that uh, those guys kind of up and undercoated, uh, primed and stuff. I've added the texture to go underneath the primer. Um, already, so that's uh, that's all ready to go. And I'll see where I get to with those um, and a few other things over the next month, I guess. But that that's that's been it really for me on the hub, uh, the table. Um, yeah. I think for me, you know, looking ahead for next month, I'll have entered this competition. So see if I manage to achieve anything in it. Even if I don't, I don't care. Um, I've learned some new skills, and it's going to take one aspect of my painting um, in a different direction, which I'm looking forward to. I will have attended that one-day tournament for bolt action, so I should be able to report back on how absolutely fucking shattered I am. Uh, but to get ready for that, I need to I need to do the weathering on one tank, two trucks, and two jeeps. So there is a little bit of a deadline sneaking in there now. Uh, yeah. Which should be good. Uh, I need to do more. So that's good. And look, I'll I'll pick off a few more models for the Blood Bowl Commission. Um, you know, thankfully, they're all still looking really good. I'm still enjoying painting them. It's just that there's a few personal deadlines now that are, that are sneaking in. Um, but the client knows, knows that. And... Uh, and that's why I haven't taken any money money off them yet, because there's nothing worse than you know having somebody's money then they're expecting they're expecting a, a, a 
finished product. So that should be good. Do you want to talk about Blood Bowl? Uh, yeah, we can kind of go over a little bit of the uh, the uh, some of the deaths and stuff. Yeah, I think we uh, when we chatted about this, the one thing that kind of leapt out uh, to talk about was the weather table, uh, yeah. weather tables. Because um, we spoke about the mercenaries, it wasn't last episode, but the, the one before that. Um, so that yeah, the weather tables. Mm. Well, I enjoyed them. Yeah, I enjoyed from the the thematic side of things. You know, if if there's the rookie, do we ever refer to rookie league commissioners? No, I don't think we. I I don't think we've ever called anybody a rookie league commissioner. But I mean, that doesn't mean to say that they aren't one. No, but if there's, you know, for the league commissioners out there, to you know, you. You wonder if there's leagues that have just been going on for so long that they're just getting so stale and that players are just going through the motions and that, you know, it's it's stuff like the, the weather tables. It's something nice and easy to add in just to give your games a little bit of variety. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, literally, and this sounds really cheesy to say, but it can change with the season. Or literally yeah. you look outside and just, you know, declare your weather table for that day's meeting of games. Um, and I, I, don't, think, I think you're right there, yeah. It's just something that isn't game-breaking because, you know, you have to roll. Okay, you roll on the weather table at the start of a game to determine the weather. And then, you know, the chances of the weather changing, you know, somebody will come up with this statistic uh, during the game. But... You know, change in weather is usually quite low, so it's something that will happen once, once or twice in a game, uh, and it and it shouldn't it shouldn't break it any more than the current weather table does. Just you know, to say break it's such a strong word, but it will manipulate the game in no than the standard weather table does, but it will do so in a different way. Uh, you know, so the, the first four tables were on page 76 of the Death Zone uh, expansion for season 2020. Uh, so the spring, summer, autumn, and winter weather tables. Uh, and you, and you, yeah, so there's 11, 11 weather tables in total. Yeah. Um, and the, like you said, the, the kickoff of the seasonal ones. I mean, a lot of these have been read, uh, available before um, as part of um, the uh, pitch rules um, and uh, were summarised in some of the um, almanacs uh, that came out towards mm-hmm. the back end of 2016 uh, rules. Um, I'm not sure how much they've changed uh, over that period because I didn't really pay them much mind previously. Uh, but that you you made a couple of good points about uh, keeping things kind of fresh or uh, and sort of adding sort of things to keep keep it keep things interesting. Um, and I think these are an easy way to yeah, do that. Like you said, of, some of the things within the league, some of the things that you can do within a league, you know, when you've got sponsorships or stadiums. I know that sounds really odd to say, but 
in the context of Blood Bowl, they can get a little bit complex and bookkeeping. Yes. As a league commissioner, I 100% agree with that. Anything yeah. that adds an extra admin that happens either throughout the season um, in terms of recording it constantly or keeping it updated on top of the the, the, the actual team stuff, it's hard enough to get people to, uh, to consistently uh, keep their own house in order uh, with the existing team stuff, never mind adding extra things on on top of that that have to precisely. be recorded precisely yeah. so the weather table is it's nice and easy and it doesn't require bookkeeping or input from the commissioner other than to state okay for the next you know three games we play we're going to use the summer weather table because it's nice and hot it's summertime you know that kind of what we're into now and you know with that uh, the summer weather table. I'm just going to read the, the different results just to give players a flavour um, of the seasonal table. And uh, so, if you roll a two, double one, sweltering heat. Some players faint in the unbearable heat. D3 randomly selected players from each team that are on the pitch when their drive ends are placed in the reserve box. They must miss the next drive. So, sweltering heat is a well-known occurrence um, for players, so that's not something they should be terribly upset about. If you roll a three, melting astrogranite, it's not just the players that are affected by the hot weather, even the pitch is melting. It might be the heat, but it might be the sticky footing, but the players are certainly struggling to move. The number of squares a player can attempt to rush is reduced by one to a minimum of one. So, yeah. You know, it limits some players, some teams' first uh, one-turn touchdowns, but it doesn't. Um, it's not going to cause you a turnover. It's not going to kill your team. It's just going to limit some of your your movement options. Four to ten perfect conditions, so that's standard for all of the weather tables. Uh, Eleven blinding rays. No cloud cover in the clear blue skies and the relentless glare of the sun leave the players squinting and shading their eyes. Apply a minus one modifier every time a player tests against their passing ability and it's only quick and short passes that can be performed. So again, that's nothing that I don't think a blizzard um, you know, would provide in the, in the standard weather table. Yeah. And then monsoon. Sudden burst of torrential rain, high winds hit the pitch, making the ball slippery and erratic. Apply a minus one modifier every time a player makes an agility test to catch or pick up the ball, or attempts to interfere with a pass. Additionally, when the ball scatters, it moves from the square in which it was placed four times before landing, rather than the usual three. So, just a little bit different, bit of a different flavour to the weather. Um, nothing, nothing game-breaking there, I wouldn't think. No, I think I think it kind of. I mean, it's it's a nice thing to have as as an option on, like you say, like if you're running a like a seasonal, you could even make it seasonal and run through all the weather tables in a league season. Yeah. Um, you could do um, if you run like little mini tournaments for your uh, your attendees of your league uh you could just have like a like so looking at the other options here there's things like a graveyard weather table 
Um, so there's, it's got things like, um, so angry locals. The angry mob of locals has arrived at the stadium looking for the town necromancer, so unable to find the feed. They decide he's disguised himself as one of the players. Both coaches roll off. The coach that rolls the lowest randomly selects one of their players from among the, those on the pitch. That player is immediately removed from the pitch and placed in the reserves box where they will hide until the end of the game or until the weather condition is replaced by another. If the roll-off results in a tie, do not roll again. Instead, both coaches must randomly select a player to hide from the locals. So, I mean, it's stuff like that. I mean, that's not yeah. game-breaking, but it's 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 another another kind of thing to consider. Um, what other things have they got in there? They've got fog, which is uh, the lightning. The lightning's pretty cool. quick passes. Lightning, yeah. So I was, I so four and rain's the same as normal. Uh, lightning on a twelve. Uh, so that's thunder rumbles, and the night sky is lit up by regular lightning strikes at the end of every team turn. Roll a d six on a roll of one. A single randomly selected player on the active team is struck by lightning and immediately knocked down. When a player is knocked down by lightning, you may apply a plus one modifier to either the armor or injury roll. Uh, this modifier may be applied after the roll has been made. So yeah, I mean, it, yeah, again, it's not, it's not going to ruin a game. Well, it might ruin a game, but it's it's not it's not bad. I think some of these things are are better than others, like anything. Uh, but there, it's an in, interesting flavor to add to. To games, I think, yep. without without completely ruining a game, and if everybody's playing with the same weather table for a period of three games, like you said, uh, or whatever, then everybody is is just as likely to have the same uh, results. Yep. I wouldn't sort of say you could um, say to folk just choose a weather table to play against or anything like that, or randomly select the weather tables. For the games, I think it, you would probably want to be consistent if you're running uh, this sort of thing in a league, just so you've got um, everybody's got the same the same circumstances. Um, but yeah, it, it's they're, they're cool. I mean, I'm, I don't think we should. We're not going to go through and read all these out to no, folk. But yeah, no. um, page seventy six through to when is it eighty three uh, is is some interesting stuff. Uh, so we've got, I mean, what sort of stuff is there? There's, there's the seasonal ones. Then you've got subterranean, primordial rainforests, uh, graveyard, wastelands, mountains, coastal weather table, desert. So yeah, there's a good range of things in there that I think would make yeah. games a little, a little bit more interesting if you're running through a stale period where. Our folk are starting to kind of get bored with uh, with monotony. Uh, so yeah, I mean, we tried it. Um, but we did a couple of events in in the Aberdeen League with the um, stadiums. Yep. Yeah, and that was reasonably well received. You know, like it was uh, just for um, just for a game uh, for three games. It was, um, but it was done randomly. Mm-hmm. So the only the only drawback was some people would get a really shit stadium, some people might get a really good stadium, and that kind of throws the, uh, the 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 equilibrium out a little bit, you know. If we'd have yeah. just stuck to one one stadium, it might have been a better uh, a better received thing. But yeah, uh, weather think, tables would be useful. 
had conversations with the stadiums because I played in those events uh, a couple of years ago. And the one thing I was always disappointed about was when we did play a game and there's people around you rolling, you know, good stadiums, bad stadiums. But I remember games when it's like, oh, we just roll a normal stadium. Normal one, yeah. yeah. Fucking boring. Um, whereas everybody around you has got something cool or hideous happening to them. And the events that we we chose, that was our um, cup events. So yes. there were one-off games, you know, knockout elimination type things. And it worked. You know, if you think of the recent um, football Euro 2020 competition, you know, you've got all these different teams competing from different nations, but their games are being played in different stadiums around around Europe. Uh, you know, so you're not necessarily got a home advantage or an away advantage against different different teams, and that's kind of what I had the feeling of. You know, you're, you know, you've got an elf team and a, a you know, goblin team playing in a dwarf stadium. So the you know the hard what is it called the hard astro granite turf, mm-hmm. yeah, stuff like that. So I had the right feel, but it was just really frustrating when you rolled normal stadiums like. Cool. Yeah, these new rules are cool. Yeah, I think I, I, I get what you mean with that one. When we did it again, um, sort of the brief season where I, I wasn't uh, um, commissioner in the league, uh, my replacement ran it for an event with a set stadium and, and a weather table, um, which worked quite well. You know, um, I think that was the better way to do it after feedback from the previous one. Yep. Um, and um, and I think the weather tables would work the same same way. You know, you, you just need to kind of think about um, um, the makeup of your uh, your your league season and how you could apply it to that, but keep it consistent so everybody who's playing in a round is using the same weather table. And if you were running a tournament, you could even use one of these, um, like a tournament uh, for NAF or whatever, have you to just kind of give it a bit more um, sort of of a local of a locale, you know? Like so, like if you if you live somewhere that happens to be particularly uh, dry and arid, just use the desert weather table to. Bring it home to uh, to your your locale. You know, I think it's stuff like that. You know, it's it's just think, little things to think about that might add a bit more flavour to what you're doing. I guess. Yep. Make your games more fun, less boring. Yes. Yeah. Without without making it a chore, uh, which is because yeah. they'd say I have never heard anybody create a team or pick a race based upon. Oh yeah, I want to take advantage of a weather table. That's never fucking happened. No, no, definitely no. not. Definitely not a thing. So, with that little touch of blood bowl, what um, what else have you been thinking about for the future for yourself? Because I, that's actually a leading question by me because I've just spotted something underneath my desk, which is uh, sounds really dodgy now that I've actually just said those words. There's something underneath my <laughs> desk. Um, but I, I've got a new rule book, a, a new game. I mentioned this to you on one of the 
group chats that we're on. It's a game called Stargrave. Yes. By Osprey Games, and it's from the same guy that wrote uh, the fantasy version called Frostgrave. That's right, yeah. For any of the gamers that are play various different game systems. Uh, what's the guy called? Joseph A. McCullough. There you go. Shout out to you, Joseph. I'm sure you must be a listener of, <laughs> of our little podcast. <laughs> um, but that came through in one of my recent Warlord Games orders. And like just a quick overview. Well, maybe not even a quick overview, but it's a skirmish-based game played on a four-foot-by-four-foot four table. 28mm is the scale, so um, smaller than Blood Bowl, but it's sort of trying to capture the feel of the original Necromunda. Uh, it's a D20 based game system, and you know, you're using a maximum of sort of 10, 12 miniatures for your little gang, uh, whatever they're called, team, crew. And they're sort of, Aye. yeah, as I said, capturing that energy of Necromunda, but the sort of galactic roaming feel of uh, oh, Firefly. Yeah, that that's that's how it kind of stuck out to me as well. Was kind of like you've got your crew, your spaceship, uh, yep. and uh, there's maybe like somewhere between five and seven uh, crew members or whatever. And it uh, it sounds it sounds interesting. Um, yep. No, I haven't haven't read the rules. It's it look it looks like a pretty straightforward, fluid game. Uh, movement is really simple. You know, there's it it sort of declares that all scenery uh, is traversable um, at half movement, unless it's got a designated stair or ladder, and then it's at normal movement. So there's none of this sort of weird, you know, trying to calculate odd odd movement penalties. Um, <clears throat> you know, cover. Is a, a cumulate uh, accumulates up. So if you're trying to shoot past three pieces of cover at a model, he will get three bonuses to his um, dice roll. And you've got all your different skills, sort of movement, shooting, fighting, all that crap. Uh, but both players are rolling dice. You know, so it's a d20 plus your modifiers plus your base skill, uh, and then you compare the two numbers to find out who's won. Um, so both players are always having to roll dice whenever they're engaging with each other. Is, I don't know if that's a good or a bad thing. Uh, and the one good thing that I've, I do like about it, it's, uh, hopefully I get the term right, I'm quite tired at the moment, um, it's miniature agnostic. Yes, that's, that's right. right yeah. Thank fuck. Yeah. I like sounding clever when I'm really tired. <laughs> um. So the the official miniature range is produced by a company called North Star Miniatures, based in uh, Nottingham. But you can use any twenty eight mil- twenty eight millimeter miniature range, uh, you know, because the background is it's like the entire galaxy's had a big war, you know. Then the fallouts happened, and that there's no sort of planetary governments anymore. There's only small city states, and there's you know, huge bands of roving pirate fleets just kicking the shit out of everything. So everything's sort of really small scale. And, you know, with a galaxy worth of planets, 
anything can really turn up. So there's rules for aliens and telepaths and you know military veterans and and the like. So you know if I wanted to play this game tomorrow, I could use the bolt action miniature range that I've got to put a crew together. Um, the the turn sequence it's very much a it's not a you go I go with all your miniatures you you roll a dice for initiative and then it's you move it model by model going backwards and forwards which is pretty good yeah um you get benefits though if you've got you have a captain and a first mate and when your captain activates up to three models within a sort of control range of him can activate at the same time so it encourages you to form little um sort of fire teams amongst your crew and the same is to be said of your first mate so you know, your your captain and your first mate are, are uh, quite powerful pieces to have on the board um, just because they can have that sort of little mass movement you know and, and when you're talking about sort of 10 v 10 miniatures if you get to move four of yours and gang up on somebody that's that is quite powerful i would think yeah so it's yeah it's, it's what was really cool for me, as I said, it's miniature agnostic. I picked up the rule book for like 20 quid. And I don't have to spend any money on miniatures or scenery. Because I've got 28mm models and scenery. It's great. I could play this tomorrow. I've got a bunch of D20s from somewhere. Spaceship game, I think, from Babylon 5 Wars. So I can play. And that's really cool. And I think I mean, I think I could rant on about this, but I think in the next 10 years, we're going to see a lot more of those type of games. What do you think? Yeah, absolutely. It's something that um, that I've been keeping an eye on because, like, um, like I mentioned earlier, the Inc. 28 and AOS 28 stuff is, is, is very much kind of, like, um, based along the converting stuff to make them sort of unique. But it also allows you then to play multiple game systems with the same thing. Um, mm-hmm. So, like, I mean, that's that's where I've been kind of headed with with some of the, the kind of concepts that I've been thinking of. And there's a couple of games that have come out recently. Um, the guys from um, so Vince Venturella and uh, oh, what's his name? Um, Adam, I want to say from so Vince Venturella does Warhammer Weekly or whatever it is. He he does like a a podcast slash video thing with that, but he also does a fuck ton of paint and stuff. And Adam does miniature war gaming on okay. YouTube, and they came out with a a miniature agnostic game called Rain and Fire. I think that's okay. what it's called. Um, which is just a rule book. Um, uh, God, I'm, I've probably fucked up the name. Is it Rain of Fire? Rain and Rain and Fire. I can't remember. Um, but yeah, he's uh, and it seems to have gone down re- reasonably well. Um, as well, basically, it's like chaos war bands fighting each other, and you, they kind of they kind of uh, uh, grow as the game goes on. There's also another one called the the Wield, uh, W E A L D, that just came out last week, 
mm-hmm. um, and it's an AOS 28.1, um, which is sort of very based on uh, uh, kind of uh, sort of dark uh, forest kind of stuff. But yeah, again, it's like little war bands and it's miniature agnostic, so you could create your own war band and personalize it as much as you like. And it's very much along that kind of lines for me. I think I agree with you. There's a lot of games that are coming out like that that are are quite cross cross usable. Um, yep. um, there's just there's sorry, on you go. No, no, I've just got that feeling that as we roll on in the future, that's where more gaming is going to go to. Um, yeah, that that really that really pleases me. You know, because even sitting here, I just realised that. You know, I was going to say that for this um, Stargrave game, I have already been eyeing up um, miniatures from uh, the Vietnam era. So they're twenty-eight millimeter Vietnam, you know, American GIs or Marines or whatever it is, you know, the out in the out in the jungle looking for the. Oh, I don't want to be politically correct or incorrect, but looking for the enemy, whatever they were. Um, because I've always liked the look of the miniatures, but there's never been. A, I'm not interested in playing, you know, the the variations of bolt action Vietnam or there's a, a Vietnam game called uh, On the Trail, which was developed by a couple of Australian guys. I mean, they all sound really cool, but it's like I, I can't really be bothered. But I love the miniatures that have been designed. I think there's two companies in particular um, called Empress Miniatures and Gringos Forty. Okay. And as soon as I'd read through the Stargrave book, I was like, oh, I should probably throw a crew together. I'll, I'm just going to do that. And so my vision for them would be, uh, you look at the colonial marines from Aliens. Yeah. So it would be the jungle version of them. So you'd get these 28mm miniatures and then just graft on a little some bionics uh, you do a weird sort of alien-esque bases and just some over-exaggerated highlights on the miniature so they'd be, you know, looking like they're wading through the Vietnam jungle, but they just looked a little bit science fiction, a little bit futuristic. Uh, and that, that kind of excited me. But, but the thing I noticed when I was looking down where I put the book on my desk, on sort of the, the shelf underneath my desk, is I've got my box with all my rogue trader era marines in it who are tiny. Aye. It's like I'm looking at the plastics, I'm like, motherfucker, I can just smash together a tactical squad of rogue trader era beaky marines and that's my that's my Stargrave crew. That's your crew, yeah. Looking I was fucking say, badass. I was gonna say the same thing, you know, like you're not limited to I mean scale scale is important uh if you're yep. keeping it in scale within your band, you know, like it would be difficult if you've got like a a, a rogue trader, beaky marine, and then a primaris marine. Yeah, it wouldn't it wouldn't necessarily look right. But the fact that that it's it's that's not to say don't do it, obviously. But yeah, I mean, I think if you're going context within your band, you know, having 10, 30 year old models. It's not a bad thing, you know. Most of us have got stuff kicking about that we can't use anymore uh, because the scale creep has either rendered it very difficult to fit into an army, or um, that you've 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 kind of 
moved away from because they nobody plays that particular game uh, yeah. anymore. These minute diagnostic games literally open quite a lot of these things back up again. You know, I mean, it, and it doesn't stop you from buying new stuff as well. I mean, you were, you were talking away there, you know. The new Gaunt Ghosts um, that, are, that GW have brought out would be perfect for uh, Stargrave. You know, they're they're like a, an indiv- they're already an individual band. You could add a couple a couple more uh, guys onto that, and you uh, and convert them, and and you've got. I mean, it's a more expensive way of doing it, obviously, because they're not cheap. But um, yeah. but as long as you play, con- as long as you you and your opponent are playing with miniatures that are in the same scale, it doesn't matter. But even even if they're not in this, I mean, as long as they're in the same ballpark scale, uh, I mean, it could be. As long as it's twenty-eight mil and not like twenty-eight mil, and somebody's using some fifty-four mil characters or oh, fifteen mil if, characters. If, but, if, I mean, if if Gaunt turns up and tries to take a swing at a beaky marine, it's going to look pretty fucking weird. Well, yeah, but I think it, like I said, it it kind of you're still open with that because, um, like, you, you, there's a lot more scope. Within that, because you're you're traveling a universe which is is not defined in the same way that it is in True. in Warhammer. So your guys could all be from a planet where folk are five foot ten or lower in height, but technologically advanced. Yet the other guys are all six foot Scandinavian style uh, folk, so they're all a bit bigger. You know, you can sell it away like that, and it yeah. not be not lose focus, whereas if no, it's within the Warhammer world, all humans seem to be roughly the same size <laughs> in the Warhammer world. You know, it's, it's that sort of thing. Um, that's, that's true as well of, um, I think it is another Osprey Games product, but it's one of their spaceship battle games, um, A Billion Suns. Same thing. You I, can just use whatever generic spaceships, and, and I think at the moment, I'm just collecting other random miniature agnostic uh, starship rule sets uh, just so I can make sure I can use these Babylon 5 models for whatever I want. Aye. I think, I think that's great, you know, and you're, you're right. I think a lot, a lot of companies will focus on rules going forward and allow people to pick up whatever they, they feel they could, they could use. Um, I like that, you know. I like converting stuff, so I can see me doing some, uh, like a, um, a futuristic uh, war band and a medieval war band, and then at least I can play. I can, I know I could pick up a Stargrave game with you or mm-hmm. uh, hipster, hipster Potter or what have you. Um, I know I could pick up. Uh, I can even pick up an Inquisitor game with with you guys if you've got the. Um, the Stargrave. If you've got the miniatures for Stargrave, you've probably got miniatures that would work in Inquisitor because it's a similar sort of thought process behind that. Um, I could probably use them in Necromunda as well. It's, it's that sort of thing. You know, if, it, if there's continuity in what you're doing behind your thing, oh, it, it, it's going to look good. That's madness. I've, <laughs> I can't believe I never even thought of the Necromunda gangs I've got boxed up. <laughs> yeah, so you've probably you've probably got like scavies or orlocks or something like that sitting in a box at home. I've got I've got four um metal gangs sitting 
That's absolute insane. That's that it, was... you know? Uh, it's as easy as that, you know? Straight into the box, pick those guys out. You've got a, you've got a, a crew. Yeah, start you know, a crew. Boom. Whereas I'm sitting here thinking, ha spend some money. But no, I'm still going to spend some money. But that's it, you know. It's it's so open, you know. You can go and spend some cash and, and make something that's unique for you that you can use across multiple game systems, or you can go and pick something out of your cupboard that that has context and continuity about by what you've got that you've already that you either don't use now for whatever reason, and you don't have to spend any money. You can spend twenty quid on the rule book, and that's you. Yeah. You know, um, like you said, most folk have got dice kicking about. Um, like most folk have got a tape measure, uh, scenery. If you've got any scenery for Warhammer 40k, it'll be applicable to uh, Stargrave. Hell, you could even be taking uh, battle in a medieval world yep. that happens to have been one that your spaceship has uh, landed on and use. War cry or um, Age of Sigmar scenery, you know yeah, it's so it's so open. It's it's I love it. That's the beauty of it. That's cool, man. That was a fucking kick-ass segue. Well done. Nice. We segue. We segue the shit out of that. Saved the best to last as well. I think that that was a good <laughs> conversation. I like um, I like these sorts of things. I'll, um, and um, I'm sure as time goes on, uh, we'll. Play games like that uh, in in our groups for sure. It's been good stuff. Well, mate, I think this has been a really good summer holiday. <laughs> yeah. Do yeah. you want to just do you want to just do one of these next month and just tell the rookie coaches just to chill out and we'll um, we'll get back to your training later. Ah, uh, we'll see. We'll see where we get to. Uh, hopefully, we'll have figured out how to work the Facebook polls. See as they fucking change that again. I know. It made our life more difficult. Fuckers. And also, if you've managed to listen this far, rookie coaches and other coaches, thank you so much. But remember, the title of the episode is called Taps App. If you know what that actually means, please send us a message to tell us. We'd love you we'd love to know that you guys understand what we talk about sometimes. <laughs> Some, sometimes. Sometimes. Yeah, uh, yeah and I think uh, that it, Taps Aff has got limited uh, limited travel, I think. But I'd be uh, pleasantly surprised to find out otherwise. Yeah. And you know what? If we get enough people sending us a message to let us know what Taps Aff is, uh, we might pick a winner and send you something. And we genuinely mean we'll send you some dice or. Um, some dirty <laughs> underwear. Nobody, nobody's okay. asked for the dirty underwear from episode one. We've still got it. I'm still wearing it. Oh, oh God. Uh, there's, there's no chance. In fact, there's absolutely no chance I'm still wearing the underwear from that uh, that episode because I'd bend all of my pants because uh, I needed new ones and I bought new so. ones. No, uh, I, haven't, we could I, haven't, have... I haven't bought new underwear in years. Oh, see, I, I go through a, um, like, Every now and again, it, it becomes blatantly obvious that my pants are just about to fall to bits. And uh, I, I do, I do uh, 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 a clear out and uh, buy some new ones. And uh, this was the year. <laughs> this was the year? Okay. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, we, we expect messages from you, listeners. So please 
messages. Messages. Okay. But with that, I think we're going to sign off. We're going to go back to finish off our summer holiday. So uh, that's all from me, Al, Goldeneye, Unicorn. And uh, I, I guess that's all from me, Phil from Ashes Cairns. Bye, bye, folks. Fuck off. Love you. Love you. Bye.